Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Taking Control of Your Diabetes podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Jeremy Pettis, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend and colleague, Dr. Steve Edelman. So if you guys are just tuning in, Steve and I have both been living with type 1 diabetes since we were 15, both physicians, endocrinologists working at the uh, University of California, San Diego. And Steve, I am really excited about today's topic, which is sex and diabetes, it, c- covering a broad areas of very important topics. Yeah. So, you know, we were talking about why this topic. Well, first of all, sex is important in any relationship, but it can also be something that people get really hung up on about how to communicate, um, you know, how to initiate it, how to keep the spark alive, all those kinds of things. I mean, so much gets wrapped up into sex. It's it's a really, as soon as you say that word, people like physically react, you know? So. Yeah, I react in a good way. <laughs> but you know what? It's so true. And that's why we had it under a previous conference called Taboo Topics, because people are embarrassed. They're, they may have issues with their sexual partner, and they're afraid to talk about it. And who do you ask? You don't ask your primary care doctor. You don't ask your endocrinologist. Yeah. You may not. You might be so embarrassed. You don't even ask your best friend. But I, we should give us. Well, you, you ask me all kinds of weird stuff. But yeah. But we got to give the listeners a spoiler alert because uh, Janice uh, Rosler, who I'll introduce in a second, you know, she's a super expert in this area. She talks about these issues as if we're talking about a menu at a restaurant, mm-hmm. and that's the best way to do it. And, you know, you're going to hear words like penis, vagina, lubrication, and other issues that you may not hear on a typical podcast. Mm -hmm. And so if you have small kids, you know, go into your car, go into your bathroom and and, and listen there. Yeah. And we'll have some giggles, I'm sure, some fun. But, you know, so I I mentioned sex is a complicated topic, to put it lightly. But then you throw diabetes in the mix. And there's all kinds of issues that come with that. You know, how do I talk to my partner about having diabetes? What happens, you know, during sex with insulin pumps or going low? Or what if you have body issues? Maybe you have a few pounds you're trying to lose. So it's already a complicated topic and diabetes can complicate it more. And that's why we're really going to focus this on, you know, some of the issues that go along with sex and relationships, obviously, but then specifically to diabetes. That sounds like a good plan. So... We are joined today, thankfully, by an expert who's going to help us navigate this topic, who Steve, you've known for a long time. So why don't you introduce Janice and tell us a little bit about her? Yeah, Janice wears many hats, and we've been friends a long time, as you mentioned. We actually co-authored a book together called Living and Loving with Diabetes. And Janice is a family therapist, but more importantly, she's a board-certified sex therapist. And she has been around the block so long, she actually teaches other sex therapists. And, you know, she plays the viola and she does lots of cool stuff and just a a good all-round person. She's spoken at TCOID many times and you might hear in the future. So, uh, Janice, thank you so much for being here. Hey, thank you for having me. Um, I actually want to say another reason to talk about sex. Okay. And and I will be kind about, you know, the, the terminologies I use and not get too in the gutter. But um, in addition to being a therapist and, you know, being a sex therapist, um, I started my career as a registered dietitian. I actually still am. And what I found out is a lot of our healthcare professionals, when they're talking to patients, clients, and they're asking their supportive family members to support their, you know, give them time to do their physical activity and 
and everybody help with the food prep and look at the labels and all the things that we really hope that they'll get support for. I want to tell you, if a couple is having trouble in the bedroom, and especially one example, someone I knew where the, the male partner was having erection problems and the, his female partner thought it was because he was having an affair. She did not know it was, it was related to his diabetes. Um, so she, was, she came angry. And if I'm going to say, you know, help him and make time for him and support the things he's doing uh, and the appointments he has to go to, she gave me this look like, are you serious? <laughs> I am so mad at him. He's having an affair, the bum. He can't get an erection we're, we're together. And I, don't ask me to do anything to help him. So I really think the core, especially when you're talking about couples, um, people who are in intimate relationships, if they don't understand what's going on in the bedroom, if they don't have support in the bedroom, it's really hard to be supportive outside of the bedroom. So I really think it's key to talk about it for a variety of reasons, not just because sex is a real critical part of your relationship. Well, yeah, great, great way to open up. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And so I think, you know, Janice, we have so much to talk about. And I'm thinking maybe an approach is kind of walking through the course of a relationship and starting kind of, you know, in the early, early days of a relationship. You know, we have listeners that might be, you know, dating or thinking about that. And it comes up a lot. How do you kind of introduce diabetes into the relationship or to your partner? Um, is there a good way to do that? A bad way? What do you, how do you advise people on that? You know, I, I've actually had a lot of people worry about that because they don't know when to bring it up, what to bring it up, if they're going to be intimate that evening. And we know some people get intimate more quickly than others do. Um, so the communication hasn't been formed, stabilized, you know, maybe it's a big romantic rush on the date. What I have found from many people is that if you are calm and confident about your diabetes, the other person will take the cues from you. So for example, if you're wearing a pump, for example, and your date goes, oh, what's that? You go, oh, that helps me with my diabetes. Don't worry about it. No problem. I know how to handle it. We're good. You, if you're relaxed and say, no, nah, I'm just, I, I'm just doing my thing. They will go, ah, I can relax. This person knows what they need to do to bring their best self to the state. But if you're apologetic, if you're saying, oh, I got this horrible thing that goes with me wherever I go, they will pick up on that and begin to get nervous, worry. Maybe this is the wrong person to be on a date with. It's really all about you making friends with the fact that diabetes goes with you wherever you are and making peace with it. Yeah, I, I would say, Janice, that, that's such an important statement. And I don't know any woman that I've ever dated that would reject me if I told her I had diabetes. But I was a nervous wreck. Um, I was afraid. I didn't take my insulin on time because I was on multiple daily injections in college. And my diabetes would get all screwed up. And then when I finally told them, it's like, no big deal. I don't know, Jeremy, do you have an experience when you first dating someone and they didn't know you had diabetes? Well, 
I have a story about you. Maybe we can edit this out um, if you don't when want you it to be When you two first aired, started dating, yeah. No, like I just remember, like, this is a, a while back, and seeing you out on the dance floor having a good time and just lifting up your shirt and showing off your pump and, you know, your CGM and just very kind of proud and, and matter of fact about it. And I remember thinking, man, that's a good way just to get it out there. I mean, literally on the dance floor and like, you know, maybe someone bumped up against it and said, you know, what was that? Yeah, I, I was... It was, it was swarms of women, obviously. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, you know what? Uh, at that stage, I was like Janice suggested, more confident. Mm-hmm. But when, you know, when I was younger, you know, I was scared to death what people would think. So, and I was just thinking that it's probably good advice about diabetes in general. You know, like being confident about it. You know, not ashamed of this is what I have to deal with for food and for exercise, and you know, of course, sex is part of that. So then, that jumping ahead. Let's say you introduce diabetes in a relationship. The relationship is going well. And now it comes time to get intimate and sex. And, you know, when we were kind of talking about this, uh, questions for this podcast, Janice, you brought up how to deal with the annoying third person in the bedroom. And before people get too excited, that third person being diabetes. So in the bedroom, how, how do you deal with that? And there's a lot of issues. You know, medications you take might going, blood sugar is high, low. You know, we can get into maybe erectile dysfunction, sexual dysfunction, but... You take us there, Janice. Well, I'll tell you, a a lot of couples I've met blame each other. So we'll say if the male, you know, partner, the penis possessor has an erection problem, then the partner might be furious at him. You know, hey, we set this up and look and I'm all ready and all that. Um, Or if the female is not able to lubricate and starts to feel some pain or or has libido issues, I guess I'm not that interested right now. I thought I was. They blame each other. And that's not fair. And what I found has worked for many people, and I hope it could work for some of the listeners here. Um, I suggest that you take your diabetes and give it a name. Now, there's a couple who did this. They called it Camilla. Remember when Camilla was the uh, kind of third party in uh, when it was Prince Charles and Princess Diana, you know, Mm -hmm. the the interloper in the relationship and talk about it as it's the third person. If the guy loses his erection or has a problem, you go, oh, you know, thanks a lot, Camilla. And then you two cuddle and blame, put the blame where it belongs on the diabetes or give it a different name. If it's Sam, you're like, Oh, Sam or, or Jody or, or Gertrude. And if, if your partner, female partner is says, look, this is hurting too much. And, you know, I'm just not with it. And um, yeah, blame it on Gertrude. Oh, drat Gertrude. We didn't invite you. Let's go have fun and watch a movie. It's not fair to blame each other because it's not your fault. There are things you can do, but as we know, diabetes, things don't always go as planned. And when you direct your anger outside, elsewhere, it can really help you bond as a couple. So I wanted to ask, you know, I mean, sex is like exercise, you know, depending on how much of it I suppose you're doing. But what I mean by that is that we have to prepare a lot for exercises, people with diabetes. And so you do have to prepare a lot of the time for sex. And I think with sex, though, there's so much pressure on spontaneity and it should be in the right moment and happen right away. So how do you kind of juggle that? Like maybe do you have your partner help you prepare or are people going to worry that that takes the romantic you know, element out of it? 
How do you deal with that? When you say prepare, Jeremy, you're talking about like reduce your. You may, yeah, rate. for people on insulin, they might have to you know adjust their 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 pump or you know people taking medication, whatever okay. it might be. Okay. Um, it's like preparing for exercise. However, you might do that. Well, what I what I like to tell people is that most people do not have spontaneous sex. I don't want people with diabetes to think that they're, oh my gosh, we're missing out. You're not missing out. Spontaneous sex, like you see it in the movies, is not as common as everyone thinks. People have children. They've got to make sure they're asleep and taken care of. Uh, maybe there's sounds in the other room and you've got to make sure that no one can hear you. Or maybe you have to plan to go uh, away for the weekend or something. People, you know, they have things going on in their lives and they're too tired. They're working on a project. They don't have the energy for sex. We thought we'd do it tonight, but we can't. Or maybe maybe a partner is taking uh, something like uh, Viagra or Levitra and they kind of have to schedule what time they want to take their pill if they don't take it on a daily basis. So it's, it's scheduled for the majority of people. So, hey, you know. Yeah, you're, you're so right. You're so right. Now, Jeremy, don't speak for Jeremy though, because he's different. Um, and <laughs> I don't it, know what that means. It, okay. you know, that's a that's a compliment. She's much younger. He's much younger than us. But I, I think you're right, uh, Janice. Totally. And I think the other thing you mentioned is, you know, it it's easier said than done than uh, treat the third person like Camilla. Of course, no one in Britain likes her anyway. So that's a good good analogy. Um, but I would say when a guy can't get a full erection enough for sexual intercourse, you know, it, it's, it's kind of devastating. And emotionally that may prevent a future successful erection just because it grows on you psychologically. And my go-to is Cialis, by the way, you know, the other okay. stuff's Coors Light. <laughs> well, and not only is it devastating for the guy, but then the woman, as you mentioned, Janice can feel inadequate. You know, why can't he make this happen for me? That kind of thing. So maybe we talk specifically about ED and, before maybe we get Janice's opinion, a little bit about ED and diabetes, Steve, what do you tell people? Well, you know what? I, I tr that's one thing I try to address with every visit. Um, you know, with a woman, it's a little more difficult because there's nothing uh, you measure. But with a guy, that you get an erection or you don't. And they develop these drugs, you know, Levitra, Cialis, Viagra, for, for that particular reason. And there's been all kinds of stuff does it work in women? But nonetheless, I think a, a large percent of guys, once they get past the age of 50, um, have a more difficult time with successful sexual intercourse. And it, and then you add in, you know, if there's neuropathy, if there's a blood flow issues, uh, you know, and then if there's any, uh, you know, relationship issues, it could be a perfect yeah. storm. And I think one of the unfortunate take-home messages is it's more common in people with diabetes yeah. yes um, and another good reason to control your blood sugars and I actually can't help so Janice talk about ED and how you bring that up with patients treatment all you know walk us through that yeah and include the women issues too I mean it's not, sure. it's not just ED so I'm going to tell you something that might surprise you the erection the ejaculation and orgasm don't have to be connected I know that's going to sound strange like, oh, how can you have an orgasm without, an, without ejaculation? Well, when people are, have any type of medical issue, paralyzed, whatever, we teach them how to have an orgasm without an erection and ejaculation. You can have an orgasm from your mind 
from massaging other areas of the body, from stimulating nipples. There are so many erogenous zones that you can touch where you can experience the orgasm of feeling without actually having A, B, C, D, erection and ejaculation. So just know there's so many possibilities. And actually tantric sex, which is where you gaze into each other's eyes and you try to uh, withhold, you try to wait before you have, you hold off the ejaculation, guys can have multiple orgasms. So the thing is, if you can't have a, an erection and an ejaculation, um, that doesn't mean the fun's over. So that's one thing. The other thing too is it's all about connection. It's about fun. We do know from a great researcher, Rosemary Bassan, who came out with some research in 2000, that a woman's sexual response um, cycle is different than what we always thought Masters and Johnson came up with with men. Men, we've got, you know, you kind of climb, you have a plateau, you have the erection, you have the eject, you know, the orgasm, and then you smoke the cigarette, you know, you go down. With women, we believed it was the same thing, and now we know it's not. Women are remarkably um, more able to have a sexual pleasurable experience even if they don't have an orgasm because women come to it for companionship for cuddling yes an orgasm or if it's an orgasm that isn't so you know fireworks but they can still enjoy themselves so what we're doing you know it's not we don't measure it by did we get a touchdown or not which is kind of more like the male attitude so opening yourself up to possibilities, to different forms of touch, different forms of pleasure can certainly be really helpful, especially if you're struggling in the more traditional forms of orgasm. You know, I love that because uh, it's, it's about expectations. And, you know, you're right. If you watch television, if you watch porn, you know, they always have the classic, you know, order of things that happen. And, and you could have a great time and you don't need the classic you know, even the sexual intercourse or as you were mentioning, you know, a full erection or so you can you can still do other things. And I think that's important. What about reduced libido? I think that's a tough issue. So what I find with libido and yes, diabetes for a variety of reasons, uh, you know, blood sugar levels, energy levels, libido, fatigue and all these things. One thing I think it's really important to know is how you connect outside of the bedroom has a huge impact on how you connect inside of the bedroom. And there's eight types of intimacy. And we think that intimacy is all about sex, but it's not. We also have, um, we have emotional intimacy where you're sharing feelings. We have aesthetic intimacy where you look at something beautiful together. Like you may sit together with a, you know, a drink and, and watch the sunset. We have physical non-sexual intimacy where you play tennis together. You go for a walk together. Um, we have affection, uh, affection type of intimacy, again, not sexual, where you come home and give a hug and you give a kiss um, and, and you just uh, say how much you care. Do um, uh, rituals together. You, you put Jeopardy on your, on your Alexa and you have fun and, and it's a great way to connect. In other words, we're looking for ways to connect, to get closer, to feel more connected. And then I like to view the bedroom as an adult playground. It's a time to play. It's not a place to perform. 
And performance isn't always, did you orgasm or didn't you orgasm? It's, did we connect? Did we have a good time? Did we have a massage? Did we feel good? And the erections and, and orgasm, they're frosting on the cake. They're all great, but there's so many amazing things to do. Play, fun, giggling. Uh, if you want to get into whipped cream and strawberries and all those other things, you can have a great time. And you mentioned porn. And I really, really, if, if it's a, within your comfort zone, I do recommend that couples watch what I call ethical porn. And that's porn that has been done where the actors are paid properly and they're treated properly because there's a lot of abusive porn. And a lot of times it'll say it's ethical if you look it up. Um, but here's the thing about porn. Do not get your sex technique training from porn because porn is fake. Porn is scripted. I once watched a film of a porn movie being made and they keep stopping and going, no, no, turn your head. No, 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 no. Wait, move her hair. Okay. No, these guys are not feeling what you think they're feeling on the screen. And here's another thing that gets really crazy for women, especially. Uh, they, there is a misunderstanding that women, that all women orgasm through um, penile vaginal penetrative sex. There's only about 15% of women who actually can have an orgasm that way. The rest, which is huge, have uh, tend to have it through either clitoral stimulation, nipple stimulation, um, just the touching of other body parts. And if you think, oh, there's something wrong with me because oh, every single female in porn is having wild orgasm when they're having penetrative vaginal sex, they're not. They're being paid to act that way. So don't look, that as real, look at that as real life. Janice, what's your favorite site? My favorite site? I want to tell you a funny story. I don't pick it. My husband picks it. My husband picks it. And the best one that I ever saw uh, I, I actually do have a favorite site. There's one, something called Belisa, B-E-L-L-E-S-A, I think it is. It's, it's made by women. I think it's a lot of fun. But my husband finds this porn from Czechoslovakia. It's, uh, I, it's uploaded. I don't know why these people do it. But you guys, Steve, you have to hear this. We were watching this, you know, and we watch it to laugh. We don't necessarily, okay, if we get turned on, it's fun too. But it's to bring fun into the bedroom. There was one where it's this guy and his girlfriend and it's some area in Czechoslovakia that's dirt poor. And he says to his girlfriend, you know, it's all subtitled, says to his girlfriend, this, this guy here will give us his crock pot, his, his, you know, slow cooker if you sleep with him and we need a crock pot. So he actually takes his girlfriend, brings her to the dorm room. She has to stuck this guy. And he's sitting there watching and it's all for this crockpot. I'm telling you, whenever now, whenever we mention crockpots, you know, my husband and I, we're like on the floor laughing because that's the funniest one we've ever seen. Oh, is that ethical porn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if I have to apologize. I doubt this. <laughs> well, the stooping for non-Yiddish speaking people is, is the word that describes having sex. So, Janice, <laughs> as you're, you're talking about this, I think this is fantastic. And everything you said, I think, is, is, is very enlightening. Now, what do you say to our, our viewers that are listening? They've been in a relationship for years or decades, and they have, you know, the kind of common problem where 
they're just not having sex. It's not talked about at all. So the idea of watching porn is a huge leap and we hope we can get them there. But how do you have people start the conversation when even the word sex can just like send up so many, you know, red flags? Well, what we do as sex therapists is when people are really kind of stuck and they've kind of disconnected, we start with something that's called sensate focus, which was developed by Masters and Jensen. What it is, is you enter the bedroom with no goal of sex. As a matter of fact, you don't have intercourse. You don't have sex. What you do is you hold each other or you just do some slow caressing and that's the evening. You just touch in the non-erogenous zones and you just remember what it feels like to touch and be touched with no expectation. As a matter of fact, you do not. You say, tonight we are not having sex. We're just going to hold each other. We're just going to cuddle. We're just going to kiss. We are not doing that. We are not going that far. And what happens is you can you can reconnect, rebuild the, the, how, how it feels. And I want to tell you something really interesting. If they each, if partners each draw kind of the outline of a gingerbread person, what I like to suggest is you take a red, green, and yellow marker and you each color in how you feel at that moment. Red would be absolutely do not touch me here. Yellow is ask first. And green is you don't have to ask. Go ahead. So, for example, you may color your face green, you know, the gingerbread person, color green, and that means you can kiss me wherever you want on my face, it's fine. But if you're feeling a little uncomfortable about having your breasts touched or caressed, you don't want to be touched there, you can color that red, and then it's off limits. And you don't have to negotiate. You don't have to push their hand away and say, oh, I said no. You do that ahead of time and you look at the pictures. And if you want, you can discuss it. How come, how come your feet are red today? And you go, well, you know, my feet are a little ticklish. I don't really want to be touched. Um, but this gives them kind of an introduction into a real safe place. So when they're together in bed, they know the map. And that's where they touch. And that's a real nice first step. Well, uh, you know, as you're talking, Steve just drew a little gingerbread man and coated in all green. So, you know, I know. I know. I, I, duh. Hello. But, but uh, Janice, I, I don't represent every male around, but I would just say this. Being a guy, um, to do a lot of the touchy-feely stuff first, I think takes effort uh, on our side. And we don't realize how important that is to women out there. Now, is that, was that a sexist comment? Cause a lot of guys, you know, they, they want to have sex. They want to have orgasm and they don't, they bypass all the important steps you just outlined. And I do think if every guy followed your suggestions, the world would be a better place. You know what my, one of my favorite quotes was in, you know, the show, everybody loves Raymond. Mm-hmm. And so um, I guess they went back and they were showing when he was first dating his wife, you know, uh, so he said, the one thing he learned is upper cuddling leads to lower cuddling. <laughs> <laughs> what you outlined sounds like it just takes the pressure off. Because, you know, I'm guessing in most relationships, there's one person that's more of a pursuer and one person that is less pursued. And, you know, the pursuer is constantly feeling like they're, you know, a tyrant asking all the time. And the person who's, who's not is feeling 
kind of defeated that they can't you know provide i mean so much gets loaded into this so it sounds like the idea of like look we're taking this off the table for tonight um just kind of i'm guessing brings walls down and lets people connect uh in a non-sexual at least initially way yeah yeah absolutely and the way you connect you know it it enhances okay if we're talking about a guy who doesn't want to do the crossing just want to get gets down to it having a partner who's receptive having a partner who is um is lubricating um or using uh, external lubricants that you, you you can bring into the bedroom but whose body is ready and who's willing and they're willing is a much more pleasurable interaction than, you know, someone who's, you know, viewing their shopping list and hurry up and get it over with. And are you done yet? You know? Well, can I ask one specific question you made me think about? Um, do you reserve the, the bedroom for just sleep and sex? Like, is that something you recommend that people shouldn't watch TV or read books and that? I mean, that's something you hear sometimes, or is that Irrelevant. Jeremy likes the kitchen countertop. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I do understand. I've heard that advice. You know, it's only for sex or whatever. You know, there's a lot of things. We don't have sex every time we're there. But you do want a good quality sleep. So to me, the most, most important thing uh, is to really be rested and to not do the things that are going to interfere with your sleep. And certainly looking at your phone looking at electronics before you go to bed, the light that it goes right into the, your brain and your brain has a difficult time getting into a deeper sleep. Um, you know, unless it's, unless it's Czechoslovakian porn, which is <laughs> okay. It's Czechoslovakian porn. I think I'm going to be hearing from every, the ambassador from Czechoslovakia. We do have good porn. We're, we're big in Czechoslovakia. We're so big ready. in Czechoslovakia. So Janice, one thing I really wanted to ask you, and you sure. know, you've, I've seen you and heard you talk about this. How do you keep things fun in the bedroom? Like I'm talking about like maybe sex toys, maybe vibrators, I, you know, rings, these kind of things. What what kind of things do you talk about in your classes? Well, first of all, there's so many things. A lot of them are for fun and a lot of them can help a person. If someone keeps losing their erection, then you may want to use rings because as the blood flows in, uh, a constriction ring can keep the blood in place. So you can have a harder erection and maintain it. But there's a lot of fun things, different vibrators, sharing with each other, uh, watching each other if you have that comfort level. Um, Toys are great, scented, uh, you know, there's a lot of scented lubricants and a lot of them are artificially sweetened, believe it or not. And uh, by the way, if the trouble continues, if you can't connect and you try all these things and it's not working, a great place to find a sex therapist would be going to the psychologytoday.com website. They have a whole search um, for for therapists, and you can read their description and see if they deal if they uh, do sex therapy, and that's a great source. So is that that makes me think that that might even be difficult for couples to bring up in of itself. Hey, I think we should go see a sex therapist. I mean, how would you tell people to to frame that? Well, one thing too is um, there are if you want to go and your partner doesn't want to go, go yourself because you can be bringing great ideas into the bedroom. Um, the thing is, are you content with the way things are? There are also great books out there if you want to read, if you want to read books. 
There's a great book by Emily Nagoski for women called Come As You Are. There's a book, I uh, can't remember the author, Women, um, She Comes First. That's about, it's the guide for intelligent men for doing oral sex. Um, there's the penis book. And I'm blanking out. I really didn't write this down. But that's a great book about male anatomy, male sex drive, male everything. It's called Sexplanations. S-E-X-P-L-A-N-A-T-I-O-N-S. Sexplanations. There is a wonderful sex therapist who created all these different fun videos. They're not obscene. She describes things and shows things in, in very clever ways. So it's not you know, pornographic in any way, but there's so much to learn and she's open about everything. So um, that's a good one. Yeah. You know, you know, Janice, so many things you've talked about today could help any relationship with sexual issues. And when you have diabetes, you got to deal with your own particular needs. Now I want to just give, do a shout out for your upcoming book called sweet romance, a woman's guide to love and intimacy with Steve with diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I want to give that a shout out. And Thank um, you. Yeah, tell us about it, Janet. Well, so that book, actually, it's going to be a series. That's the first one, which is for women. There's going to be one for men, one for couples. We hope that it's going to go on and continue for people with certain um, physical uh, challenges, disabilities, on and on and on. Uh, we've been very lucky to have a group called Divabetic. Um, that has asked to, uh, you know, handle it. We kind of donated everything to them and they're putting it all together and it'd be very inexpensive to download it. Just, you know, a few bucks, that's it. And we're hoping to have this first episode, first version ready in a few months. So well, you'll, you have to, you'll have to let us know at TCYD. We'll put it on our website, but I, I want to have my final comment, sure. like Jeremy. Sure. We, Jeremy and I went to Sweden, and we took a walking food tour, and the the person that gave us the tour, the tour guide, I was walking with her to the next restaurant. There's like 10 people, and I just said, well, what, what, what are you going to do? Five, what's your five-year plan? Well, she's she, a young, blonde woman, piercings, you know, yeah. kind of. Yeah, very attractive, tattoos, and she, and she just said, I'm going to, as a matter of fact, I'm going to be, a, I'm working to be a sex therapist. Cool. And I said, oh, that's, I go, that's great. I'm all nervous and everything. And I say, yeah, I'm a diabetes doctor. A lot of people with diabetes <laughs> have issues with that. She goes, yeah. And she said, my specialty is non-monogamous sex and kinks. So <laughs> don't ask me anything else about it because I, I never asked her what does she mean by that, <laughs> which I really regret. But uh, I was more frozen with... Not not sure what to say. Couldn't wait to tell Jeremy. That was the highlight of my trip to Sweden. That's your final comment. Yeah. <laughs> and besides, Janice, thank, thank you so much. It's been yeah, great. No, this is honestly great. And I think it's just something simply we don't talk about enough. It, it is like this quote-unquote taboo topic that everyone feels like it should just go well. And if it doesn't, then it means that you guys aren't meant for each other. And it's all bogus that you have to, you know, put oh, work into it. Yeah. Find things that, you know, work for each other. And especially with diabetes. Um, so this has been super fun, Janice. Thank you I'm, so much. Th thanks I'm so, so much. good. Thanks for having me. And just one thing about if anyone came here for kink <laughs> and all that, just be safe. You can do it with diabetes. You just be safe. Make sure you communicate to your partner when you need to stop. What's your safe word? If you feel that you're starting to go low and you need a snack, 
be safe. If you get cut in any way, take care of it just as you would any injury and, and, and have fun. It's meant to be fun. If it's not fun, if you're feeling stressed by it, whatever, take a step back because this is a pleasure that we adults get to have. And uh, that's it. And thanks, thanks guys for having me. Well, Steve is looking at another shade of green on his outline here. So I think that means it's time for us to go. Okay. So thanks, Janice. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Steve, this has been fun. Yes. And uh, keep listening. Follow our podcast. Uh, we've been really enjoying doing this. Yeah, that was awesome. All right. Thanks. Take care. Thanks.